Welcome, SE land. This is Twig. Another Twig's SE Reflections. We're going to call this one episode 53. Let's call that 53, right? And let me take a moment and go back and change 51 and 52 to episode 51 and 52 rather than the, the little mini episodes because really, you know, I don't know if you're watching me fail or adapt or reiterate in public, but you're definitely watching me work this out. After episode 50, I thought I would be able to make some pretty major changes, make this a more social process and less of me just rambling with you. And I'm afraid that after several weeks of trying to make that happen and other dramas going on in my world, I've just not been able to get over that threshold, get over that hurdle to make a major change. So I'm thinking, why don't I go back and get some flow in the areas that there was some movement and over time, maybe we can see what else is possible. For now, I'll say I'm going to talk about the sympathetic nervous system today, the branch of the autonomic nervous system that is responsible for our kind of movement, our motivation, our higher intensity states. They call this an ergotropic system. It's a mobilization system. You know, and and while this is all around the polyvagal theory, we're all talking here about the autonomic nervous system is through the lens that Stefan Porges offered up in the polyvagal theory, this sympathetic nervous system has been long associated with mobilization, of course, fight-flight behavior, the process and things inside the body that help us get up and do things. And also, of course, the coffee I drank a couple hours ago to get myself pumped up and ready for this podcast helps with that too. Hey, look, the sympathetic system, this ergotropic mobilization system, it's got basic anatomy, just like all of the other subsystems. The nerves from this come out of the brainstem. There's nuances going on up in there that I'm going to bounce right over for a moment at least. And it comes down through the thoracic and upper two or three lumbar spinal segments. Yeah, so that you've got these nerves coming down kind of the trunk of you. And they, when they leave the spinal cord, they kind of pass through these little ganglia changes that happen. It's like one set of nerves inside the spinal column, and then they go through a little like relay, I guess is the way to say it. And then they go off into these other nerves that extend off into their destinations, right? What are those destinations? Well, they're going to most of the glands in the body, a whole lot of the organs, including stomach and spleen and heart and lungs and just, you know, stuff in there, as well as muscles, big muscles of the arms and the legs. Primarily, we pay attention to it in that way, but also like the skin, you know, which is actually a gland. And all of these nerves going out to this system have nerves going back carrying information both from the brain to the body and from the body to the brain, right? So that's efferent going from the brain to the body, afferent going from the body to the brain. Well, those signals from the brain to the body are saying, do this. They're impulses for like action. From the body to the brain, that's kind of like signals of heat and cold and pain. Ugh, we all know about that one. Well, look, this sympathetic nervous system. It's the mobilization system, right? And you can easily get caught, and I think some of us can have, 
get caught in the idea that this is always the fight-flight system. For this system to be working, it's a fight-flight kind of thing. And that's a nuance of the polyvagal theory that helps us to recognize that, well, it might not just be a nuance of the polyvagal theory, but it's definitely enhanced by the polyvagal theory, that actually we're using this subsystem all the time. We want to have access to it. You're getting up to mobilize to do things. It's the sympathetic nervous system that's helping you do that movement. The reason that we don't just use that system and freak out all the time is actually because that ventral vagal complex has an influence on the vagal break of the heart, right, and kind of attenuates the pace of the heart, kind of rises up for mobilization and slows down for deceleration, you know, for calming down a little bit. And that vagal break allows us to kind of like modulate the heart rate so that we can get up and do stuff without feeling the need to become sympathetic dominant. Now, I've always wondered, what does that mean when you're a child on a playground? You see your mom pull up in a car, it's the end of the day, you run across the playground, you're super, super excited, your heart's going really fast, you're just full of joy, one of the survival emotions from Darwin. What does that say about the sympathetic system? I don't know. We'll have to ask Porges someday. Until then, we'll say that there is this kind of thing where if the sympathetic system is turned on long enough or strong enough, the old fight-flight responses will become dominant. Now, what's that doing? Well, with all that anatomy, it does specific kinds of things. One is that it shunts the blood from the belly, from the viscera, so that blood doesn't go there anymore. There's no need to digest if you're running away from the boogeyman. So the belly gets kind of like tight and stiff and doesn't have a lot of motility to it. There isn't a lot of blood innervation. Another thing that goes along with that is the sphincters tighten up. You know what I mean by the sphincters, right? Yep, they get really tight. Well, when this happens, when our fight-flight system is elicited, the sympathetic system becomes dominant, the heart is going to go faster, primarily because that vagal brake has let go and it's not controlling the pace of the heart anymore, but also because the heart actually, the contractile tissue in the muscles actually gets a little innervation to increase the tonus so the heart pumps stronger as well as faster. Important to note. There's a relationship here with the bronchia. The, the bronchia actually dilates. So what's that? And it's like the little tiny capillaries, the little, the little you know, sponge-like places in our heart, in our lungs, excuse me, those, um, they, they get a little bit bigger so that it's just a little bit easier for them to transfer oxygen that is kind of coming in through our breath, transfer that oxygen to our blood as the blood is being pushed past those capillaries that much faster. So there's this increase in breath rate. There's this increase in heart rate. There's also a vasoconstriction throughout most of the blood vessels of the body, which kind of restrict or tighten a little bit the the tubes you know the tubes that our blood is running down it gets just a little bit tighter and what that does with this increased pressure from the heart or increased pulse rate from the heart is that it increases the pressure so that things move faster and we all know why we want to do that right we want to move faster inside because we're going to have to move faster on the outside so blood shunted to the belly it where does it go goes to the big muscles of the arms and the legs, carrying all that oxygen and also epinephrine and norepinephrine, so adrenaline and noradrenaline, you know, so the adrenal adrenal complex gets turned on and 
knocks out all this energy that's being flooded into the blood system. The blood is, cardiac system is pumping that all around the body. The primary destination is to the big arms and the legs. What else happens here? The, the skin, the skin actually gets sweaty, lubricates so that we're just have a little bit more flexibility for movement. But funny enough, the blood right underneath the surface of the skin kind of backs away from the surface of the skin so that if we get cut, we're less likely to bleed out. That's pretty important since we're actually pumping a lot of blood really fast. If we got a cut in there, we'd be bleeding out pretty quickly. What else? Well, the pupils dilate. They do. They get a little bit bigger. Makes it a little bit easier for us to have visual acuity to see like the threat or see the signal of safety. You know, it's like, well, it's a kind of a silly example to me, but there's the bear in one direction and there's a tree in another direction. There's the, well, there's all kinds of dangers in the world, guys, but really bears are one of the fewest that ever really hurt people. I know it happens. I know it happens, but it's pretty rare. Okay. What else is going on in here? Well, you know, you don't get all of that great movement to the face that comes along with ventral vagal dominance. You don't get this movement into the belly where you get the dorsal vagal dominance, which we'll go over next time. You do get this sense of activation in the body, and it's also often tied to the emotional responses of anger and fear, fight and flight. Actually, that was the original cause for the name sympathetic nervous system because it's it's obviously tied to the sense of having emotions now these tend to be pretty basic survival emotions anger and fear but that's that's generally how they were named out sympathetic the sense of having emotions i guess yeah parasympathetic the sense of guarding against emotions okay there we go anything else in here well i guess in that way we should mention that you don't need to salivate when you're running for your life so in the same way that the gut slows down, so does the mouth get dry. Salivation slows down. And if I were to say one more thing, it would be that this system, the sympathetic nervous system, is found in most critters on the planet. Now most, not all, most. You know, there's, we'll look at this with the dorsal vagal complex more, but there are some critters out there still to this day that don't have a sympathetic nervous system. They're cartilaginous fish, jawless fish, in my neighborhood, they call them suckers. They live in the Columbia River to this day. Candlefish. Native people used to really adore them. We should treasure them still. They don't have a sympathetic system, and other critters do. In fact, sympathetic system, phylogenetically speaking, evolutionarily speaking, evolutionary time speaking, the development over evolutionary time, sympathetic system came along with bony fish. Now, since it came with bony fish, that means that everybody on the family tree through evolution, since bony fish, still has a sympathetic nervous system. Who's that? That's amphibians. Yeah, like I'm in water. I'm going to leave water. I'm going to go back to water. Reptiles. Whoa, don't need to go back to water. Got water in the egg here. Mammals. Here we are. Now, of course, mammals have that special other branch, the ventral vagal complex, and these other critters, the reptiles and the amphibians and the bony fish, they just have that sympathetic and parasympathetic split between what we might call now the sympathetic and the dorsal vagal system. Again, dorsal vagal system stuff to come. And yet there is this kind of thing that we want to recognize that evolutionarily speaking, there is a hierarchy. There is a developmental sequence of when these subsystems come into existence. 
mammals, that ventral vagal complex, bony fish, and everybody afterwards, the sympathetic system, and then before that, we'll look at the dorsal vagal next time. What does that do for us? Well, it helps us see that exact thing we were talking about, where if the heart rate goes faster because the ventral vagal complex takes off the kind of the down regulation on the heart, what comes next? The sympathetic system comes next. What happens when the mammalian ventral vagal complex can't do its job, can't put us back to safety, can't calm everything down? It lets go of its influence, and what comes next? The next oldest system, the sympathetic system, sympathetic nervous system. That's cool. That's totally cool. Like, we're really unique. You're unique. I think you're splendid. I'm unique in my own kind of way. I got all my quirks for sure. And look, we've all still got these kind of patterned responses that make us what we are. In this case, the sympathetic system. It's there to help us both mobilize, particularly in those transient blends between the other subsystems so that they're all kind of working in daily life as normal. And when we get a, here's a word I haven't used today, neuroception, a nervous system's perception of threat, like we're in danger, uh, that's a little bit more than the ventral vagal can handle, a little bit more than the social engagement response can handle. When we get that sense of, I'm in danger here, this is a real threat, whoa, what are we going to do? Fight and flee. What's going to happen? Heart's going to go faster, lung's going to go faster, blood's going to get shunted from the belly, it's going to go out to the arms and the legs to help us mobilize fight flight. We're going to get adrenaline rushing around to give us the goods and groceries to say we can do this kind of thing. We're going to have soft skin. Ooh, so soft so that we can have some motility, be able to have those slightly bigger pupils to make us see things just a little bit clearer. And <laughs> sure enough, hopefully get away. Ah, most of us got away. If you're listening to this podcast, you got away one time or a couple you're still here. I'm glad about that. Now, I haven't talked about how we think about all of this in SE, right? And that's not exactly the point at the moment. We just have to get the, the clarity that there are these subsystems and that they have influence and, and discrete anatomy inside of us. And yet, let's just go ahead and name something, right? Let's name that if a person says they've got a dry mouth, ding, 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 what subsystem does that indicate? Oh, you betcha, the sympathetic system. There's no reason to digest and there's no reason to swallow easily when you're running for your life. How about if you've got sweaty palms? No, really? It's like the sympathetic system is on, the, the sweat glands are working a little bit more? Oh, you're right. How about if somebody says, well, I feel a lot of energy in my legs. Hmm, that's a pretty telltale sign, isn't it? Yes, it is. Energy in your legs? Really? What do you mean by that? Like your upper legs, your lower legs, your whole legs? You have energy in your legs. How do you notice that? Well, with any of those, with any of those, you might want to remember that line from Peter Levine. I never trust my hypothesis about what's going on until I have two or three or more channels telling me the same thing. Now, if somebody said, my mouth is dry, my hands are sweaty, and my legs have a lot of energy. Whoa, what do you think about that? I guess it's time to complete a little running response, isn't it? That'd be cool. Well then, my friends, thanks so much for your patience with me 
fumbling around with the podcast. It's been a few weeks since I've been off the air. Looking forward to trying to get back into the swing now. Hope you're taking care. Be in touch as you like. Bye-bye now. Here's a little tracking twig moment because I got to let you know about the things that I do in the world. One thing that I'm doing is I'm headed down to Los Angeles to spend some time at Victoria and Felicia's super awesome SE place. You guys ever had a workshop at their place? Special. I'm going down there for practicing our lines. My fun, off the just zany workshop for practicing our communication and our posture, our tone, practicing our lines. It's happening August 29th and August 30th. That's a Saturday and a Sunday. It's a six-hour thing with a one-hour lunch in the middle, so it actually come together for seven hours each day. It is fun. But don't just think that it's fun. I mean, yeah, we all need more fun, so I kind of like lean a bit on that. And yet at the same time, super informative. I get to talk to you about all of this, but without making it just a banker telling you all the good stuff that he's got behind a vault. Instead, we play games with it. We mash it around. It's been a lot of fun. A couple of years we've been doing it there. Going to do it again late this August. Hope you'll check it out. You can visit me or check out information about that at liberationispossible.org backslash practicing dash hour dash lines. Or just go to the schedule from the menu, liberationispossible.org. Okay, hope to see you there. Bye-bye now.